1: What is up, Wizards fans? Welcome to another Believe in Wizards podcast. I'm your host, Matt Moderno. We've got Troy Halliburton joining me today. Love talking with Troy. I think we always like have a fun conversation. He brings a ton of energy and he's been writing a new sub stack, which I think you should all subscribe to. I'll put the link in the episode description here, so make sure you follow that. But he posted a couple of really good questions after the Minnesota win and definitely wanted to talk to Troy about some of those thoughts and the direction of the team. So we'll get into that convo. Uh, final probably sales pitch here before our Capital City Go-Go game on December 9th. Maybe not final. I can't promise that. If we do more episodes between now and 9th, I'll, I'll probably mention this again, but still plenty of opportunities to buy tickets because it's a 5,000-seat 5, 5, arena and uh, I'm sure we're not going to sell out all 5,000 of them just from this podcast alone, but uh, tickets are $10. You can go see them play the Long Island Nets who are pretty good. It's an opportunity to see Johnny Davis in G League action and see what he looks like. High flyers like Quentin Jackson, Chris Dunn, you can see vernon carey jr and isaiah todd some of the other pieces around the wizards and just really what they look like and, and what they could eventually bring to the wizards so i again, i'm a big proponent of the g league as you know if you still listen to this show and uh, you aren't tired of the g league stuff and you don't fast forward through it you know that i think uh it's really good basketball and they play hard they play defense which the wizards have been doing a little bit more of this season so i can't make the same joke about the gogo being the best defensive team in dc but they're still pretty darn good so it'll be fun for $40 tickets, you can get unlimited beer and wine throughout the game. And we will be recording a podcast in the arena after the You know, after the game. So we'll do some giveaways and stuff like that and have a couple people come up and give their takes on the team afterwards. So should be a lot of fun and I uh, hope you'll consider joining us. Uh, as always, we're brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Basketball is back and BetOnline remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at BetOnline. And as your continued source for all your sports wagering information, BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to BetOnline.ag to join and receive your 50% off welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use our promo code BELIEF, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. Also, just one more thing before we get to our conversation with Troy. I've seen some reporting. I think Sportico had it first. So shout out to them that Jeff Skoll is going to be buying into Monumental Sports Entertainment. That's the parent company for both the Wizards and Capitals and Mystics and GoGo and Wizards DG and all that good stuff. Uh, it's obviously like a Ted Leontis primarily owned company. And I've seen some people asking, you know, does this mean that Ted's going to get bought out? No. Skoll is coming in as a partner and he's a billionaire. For anyone not familiar, he's one of the um, original business partners in eBay made a ton of ton of money doing that. He's kind of spun that off into the Skull Foundation, which they do a lot of work on social entrepreneurship and philanthropy and things like that. So it seems like he's actually a really good guy. So I'm actually encouraged that this is a guy that Ted and company are, are going into business with. This isn't like an FTX uh, branding situation here. So this this seems like a good one. Uh, his movie company is big on promoting movies that have like social positive social impact and and movies like Spotlight and things like that that have Stories that could benefit society being told. So he's also proponent of sort of Me Too and making sure that um, people in the film industry had sort of um, you know fair treatment and and weren't uh, weren't harassed and things like that. So seems like a good guy. And uh, yeah, he's a billionaire. So this is a dude that Ted I think is bringing in to bolster uh, probably his chances of buying the Nationals. If I had to guess, pure speculation at this point. Did see that uh, Zach Leonsis was at the game with one of the learners the other night, I think, maybe, saw that. So uh, should be interesting to see what develops out of that. But that would be my guess. Skull's coming in here to kind of bolster their chances of making some big bid for another team. I don't think this means Ted is on his way out of town, so do with that information what you will. Uh, With that, uh, again, I'm going to get to Troy Halliburton. You probably noticed the episode title here, Random B-Ball Blogger Boys. Just a funny shout out to someone on Twitter, That told me, Kuzma's trash, the Wizards are trash, Beal's trash, the Young Guys are trash, and then said that I was a random b-ball blogger boy. So uh, I know Troy liked that too. So that's the episode name for today, and and that's where that came from. Just one last little segment here before we get to the conversation with Troy, just two quick prospect profiles for this week. Uh, About this time last year, in December, I mentioned a guard in the West Coast Conference that was looking pretty good, thought could be fringe first-rounder out of Santa Clara. Uh, named jalen williams he ended up being pretty good i think he rose a lot higher than i thought he would i i know friend of the show here damo's been a big proponent of uh jalen williams and, and we'll see you know just how good he ends up being in the nba i think the future looks pretty bright and oklahoma city's a great place for him and a lot of people that would probably enjoy him over with the wizards ultimately drafted but uh neither here nor there so let's um let's talk about another guard out of santa clara this year the latest uh for that team they've got illinois transfer Brennan Podzemski. That's P-O-D-Z-I-E-M-S-K-I. He's six foot five. He's averaging 20 points, 10 rebounds, two and a half assists so far on about 42% three point shooting, about 80% from the free throw line, two and a half steals per game, little less than a block per game. And only two turnovers for somebody who's got like an insane usage rate so far. So pretty good. He has had two bad games out of their six, but uh, was just really good in, in their most recent game against a pretty good DePaul team, or not most recent game, one of their more recent games against DePaul. He had 21 points, 12 rebounds against this is a six foot five guard. And he's like been a really good rebounder. He's like grab and go and operate with the ball in his hands a lot. The last time Herb Sendek coached a lefty high guard with those high use of trade, it turned out to be James Harden. I don't think Pajemski ever going to be James Harden, but he could be the Santa Clara equivalent. I think he's going to be somebody that it's it's going to be interesting to see how he looks midway through the year when they start to play different teams and, and how better teams scheme against him. Doesn't have like a ton of help. Santa Clara is solid. They're not like overwhelming. It'll be similar to what Jalen Williams was where like at, at times where like maybe they can't show off their full skill set because uh, entire team's defensive game plans are built around stopping them. But but he can do a little bit of, of that creation scoring. He's got pretty good range. The shooting touch looks real to me. And uh, it's just going to be really interesting to see how he looks uh, when they play the Gonzagas or St. Mary's and and teams that are really well coached and smart defensively and can kind of build out game plans to stop him. They played Utah State already, who's really well coached. And and that already is sort of what happened. Ryan Odom like schemed them up so that they were just going to stop Pajemski and and nobody else was going to beat them. And shocker, that worked out for Utah State. So that seems like there's a recipe for teams to follow there to like really lock in on him and um doesn't seem like he's getting a ton of help so far he's a transfer from illinois where he did almost nothing last year so you know this is a guy that was a pretty high uh high school recruit and and looked pretty good on the prep you know on the high school scene so so it'll be cool to see just kind of how he develops over the course of the year so just want to put him on your radar somebody to keep in mind uh he's gonna have some 30 point nights here and there the guy is electric and when he gets hot from three uh he can he can really um he can rack up some points on you pretty quick. The next person I'm going to talk about is Creighton guard, wing, point guard, point forward, whatever you want to call him. All of the above. Baylor Shireman. He's also six foot six, six foot five ish, somewhere in that ballpark. They list him six six, maybe he's a little shorter, but another lefty guy that can score a ton and could have high usage if he wanted to, but is on a more well-rounded team. So sort of a different contrast to Pajemski, where he's on a loaded Creighton team that'll be probably top ten in the country ish all season, and he doesn't have to do a lot, but He spent the last three years at South Dakota state where he was really good Uh, over the last two years, he averaged somewhere like North of, you know, around six points, I would say eight rebounds, four assists last season. He shot 47% from three, uh, on about five attempts per game. And they're like deep threes too, if he needs to, like, he can really, really shoot it at a high level. And again, now he's on a really good Creighton team where they just don't need a ton from him. There's a couple other fringe NBA guys, uh, throughout their starting five. So he just doesn't need to do the same things. He can be a little bit more of a facilitator, he can lock in a little bit more defensively, which is probably still the biggest question for him. Honestly, he's not a great athlete. Neither of these guys really are. So it'll be curious to see like who they guard at the NBA level. Uh, but so far for Creighton, he's averaging 12 points, 9.3 rebounds, and two and a half assists, about one steal, and he's shooting 44.2% from three. On six attempts, which is amazing, and honestly, I don't think those are like crazy inflated numbers. He'll probably shoot about that for the year. So this is a guy that will come in and could be a day one like NBA sniper. He's shooting like, if you watch the Maui Invitational, they had the yellow line of just sort of just inside half court. He was shooting from there for like half the tournament, and they played a really athletic Arkansas team, probably the most athletic team in the country. And he had twenty points, seven rebounds, and three assists, and you know, it was hitting shots from all over the place and just really creative guard skills and, and like ball skills. And, uh you know, he's passing off to people, had hockey assists, broke down the defense. He's like a guy that would be a really good, you know, secondary creator for you and helps like move the ball in an offense. And, and he'll take the right shots or better shots. He can shoot off movement. This is a guy I like really like, and both of these guys are, I don't know, again, probably fringe first round picks at best at this point. But these are two guys that I could see being interesting to NBA teams that want not just shooting specialists, the guys that could actually put the ball on the floor. This is the thing I've always talked about with Corey Kispert. I really, really enjoyed him in Gonzaga. I watch a ton of Gonzaga basketball just because I like their offensive system a lot. And and all the ball screen continuity stuff is is fun to watch for me. But can they put the ball on the floor in the fourth quarter of a game is really interesting. And both Pajemski and Shireman are are guys that can do that and I think can shoot at equivalent levels. And I think this is what you're going to see more of from teams where You've got guys like Duncan Robinson that can just absolutely light it up in three if they're getting good looks and they don't have to do much else. But if you're not making shots, what else do you do for the team? These guys can at least attack closeouts, break down the defense a little bit, facilitate for others. Just, you know, we'll have to see who they guard. Can they guard? I think Sharman's probably better suited to do it of the two. He seems a little smarter, has to better defensive instincts. He's also on a better defensive team right now. So maybe that helps some too, but maybe a little bigger and sturdier. So we'll just kind of see how both these guys develop. Sharman is older. That will hurt his draft stock. This is his fourth year of college basketball. So not surprising to see him, you know, doing pretty well. But this, oh, he he stepped up from South Dakota State to go to Creighton and he hasn't played against top tier competition. It doesn't matter. The the guy is like an NBA caliber shooter right now, I think. And that'll translate. So at the very least, two names to keep an eye on. And, uh, you know, somebody as you're watching College basketball games, maybe you'll say, Hey, I see Santa Clara's on. I'll stop and watch a couple games. Should definitely check out Creighton. Like I said, probably the best team in the Big East. They'll be fun. So, uh, yeah, two names you may not have been familiar with that you might want to keep an eye on. Uh, with that, let's get to our conversation with Troy Halberton.
0: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering
1: professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. With the McDonald's app, you can get your favorite thing delivered to your door. So if you were looking for a reason to skip washing those dishes you left in the sink, consider this a sign. Bada ba ba ba.
0: Right now, get $0 delivery fee with any purchase of $15 or more, only in the app. At participating McDonald's, minimum purchase excludes tax and service fees. Delivery prices may be
1: higher than in restaurants. Other fees may apply, not valid with any other of offer, discount, or coupon. I'm pleased to welcome in Troy Halbert. Troy, before we start, please uh, promote the Substack, tell everybody where they can find your writing, and glad to have you back in the Wizards writing space here. So thanks for joining me too.
0: Yeah man thanks Matt. um so yeah uh, as as everybody has noticed um that I'm no longer over at the uh city paper i guess that you know print media is pretty much uh you know on the declining end uh, yeah. of an era that they pretty much dominated for 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 decades probably a century yeah. but uh i think that uh for me getting into the digital space and starting my own substack well, what was important for me to first of all, it was important for me to get back into into writing about uh, basketball just from a from, from a pure fan standpoint, you know, as to why I got into writing back mm. in my truth about it blogging days. And so um, right now uh, you, people can find my work at Troy um, Really, it, it's it, it's currently a, a wizard's blog to be named at a later date. Uh I I've got a couple of names already in mind, but you know, it's it's all about getting licensing and sure. and 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 you know, trying to start an LLC and do all of that. I, w- I wanna make sure that I do everything proper. So but I, I think that uh, a, a Wizards blog uh to be named at a later date sort of kind of fits with the you know uh 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 DC anonymous nature that that, that a lot of Wizards fans like seem to be acting uh with on Twitter. <laughs>
1: If you've got the you know sort of generally named washington football team we had you could just have you could leave it as wizard's blog to be named later i kind of like I, that
0: hey you know what that's always an option too matt <laughs>
1: uh cool well if you if you want a sounding board for any of those teams I, I got you covered uh but for anybody who hasn't checked it out the link is in the episode description here by the time you're listening to this and troy your most recent article was sort of about this minnesota win and and uh sort of the the team construction as is and i, I thought you brought up some really Interesting stuff in there that I just kind of wanted uh, to talk through with you a little bit here. So I guess just to start us off, sort of a broad question for you. They have the big three. I'm doing air quotes for everybody else here right now. Uh,
0: pretty soon we're going to have to start taking those air quotes off because I, you know, it, the the court uh-huh. the, the performance on the court seems to be telling us that it might be an actual big
1: three if they can look like they looked in that Minnesota game consistently, I will call them big three, huge three, gigantic three, whatever they want to go by. Uh, Is that a core worth building around? Can we expect enough of those nights like we saw last night that, that this is something that they should, you know, double down on and and try to like, this is the lane that they should pick and the direction they should go down.
0: Well, I think that, as far as uh, from a from an evaluation standpoint, is this something that they should double down on or or that they should invest in? I think that that question remains to be seen. Um, th- what the Washington Wizards think, I think that they believe that they have a big three and yeah. that they are doubling down, tripling down. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever wager it is that you want to uh, 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 say. I think that, you know, this is how uh, Tommy Shepard has uh, operated. Uh, with with his uh, roster construction and with all of his messaging towards uh, the media and the fans, so I, I think that you know th- that this is a team that I mean they believe that they have a chance, and so they're going to put forth every uh, best foot forward to 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 give themselves an opportunity to 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 be in the mix at the end of the season.
1: Even though I just asked you that question, I've sort of said for the last two years, I'm sick of talking about should they blow it up because they're never going to do that. So it's kind of a moot point, but it's, I guess the the question here, and you talked a little bit about this in, in your most recent post is can, can these support guys, uh, you know, the young forwards that they have, are those guys solid enough to support this big three? Should they consolidate some of them? Should they make a push to make a trade for some more veteran help? Like What's sort of the next step, I guess, for them to go beyond sort of where they are right now?
0: Well, the next step would be, I mean, I I, I think if you were to ask that question, if you were to pose that question to Tommy Shepard, his answer would probably be to, to continue uh, developing uh, their, their, their uh, first round draft picks and in the hopes of each one of them being able to so, sort of uh, fulfill uh, a specific role. And so, when you look at uh, Rui Hashimura, you know he he is um, probably the the best score of right now of mm. the of the of the young prospects. Yeah. Uh, I think that Corey Kispert has the most potential of the young uh, prospects, just because he has the most defined set NBA role. Now he he's a he's the quintessential you know three and D you know shooter wing player. And then Denny Avdia is the uh, player who I think probably has the biggest potential to grow into uh, the biggest role. But he probably has the most deficiencies in his game of the young players right now. So, you know, he he's a defensive specialist. And I know I'm just happy every time he makes a left handed layup
1: i'm happy to take any layup to be honest with you
0: and exactly exactly but really you know i, I need Denny to stop laying the ball up period i need yeah, him so to groups. watch just highlights of dunks and he needs to start going to the rim and attacking and, and, and being more aggressive in that manner
1: i would take like an eight foot like nerf hoop and put it in front of him and just make him dunk on it like a thousand times in a row and just like offer and just stand there and just like dunk and dunk until he was so exhausted all he could think was i have to dunk everything but uh i i'm with you so uh I guess, you know, Rui's hurt right now for anybody who hasn't seen the news today. Uh, He had an MRI done. There's a bone bruise in the ankle. He will miss at least the Nets game, could miss a couple more games. After that, we'll see. He said this injury felt different than sort of previous ankle injury. So could be without him for a while. That means more Anthony Gill. I guess to me, I, I would sort of try to bolster some of this rotation with some of the younger guys. I would give Todd a few minutes and see if he can fill in while Rui's out here or there, I would probably punt on Vernon Carey Jr. if it were me and try to bring in a little bit more veteran help somewhere, you know, uh, whether that's promoting Chris Dunn or looking for a wing. Like I'd be calling Carmelo Anthony up, something. Uh, I don't know who the right guy is. I haven't looked at who's available, but I, I would be trying to do these things. Like if you're committed to, hey, we're seventh place right now, we want to try to get to fourth place or whatever that is, like I would be making moves in that direction. And I'm not really sure how best they do that without giving up one of these other guys.
0: Yeah. So, uh, I'm with you on giving, uh, le- le- I think that it's past time that we we see what Isaiah Todd can do on this level. And, you know, I especially trust your G league scouting. eye uh, when you say that Isaiah Todd, uh, is ready to receive some NBA opportunities, you know, you, you were the first guy who I saw uh, mentioning uh, Jordan Goodwin and who I didn't mention in the article, but I did ask uh, Wes Unso Jr. a question about him uh, at yesterday's postgame press conference. Mm -hmm. And really, I didn't put him in this article because I'm really planning on something for him later in the week or maybe at the top of next week about Mm -hmm. how and, and you mentioned Vernon Carey Jr. I think it's time to punt on him. Uh, but it, as you instead of going out and getting a veteran i think that that roster spot right now should be going to jordan goodwin as, as a permanent fixture on on the wizards uh, uh main roster instead yeah. of uh his uh two-way contract you know because you know if quiet as is kept you know the the wizards wouldn't be in the position of being 11 and 10 right now and being you know uh squarely in the uh playoff mix in the eastern conference if it wasn't for jordan goodwin
1: I, I totally agree. I think that makes a lot of sense, also. And then you could free the two way up to, I don't know, give it to Quentin Jackson or somebody, and and bring them up and try a few more minutes at the NBA level or something like that. Um, but I, I would be, I would be making some kind of moves about now if I were them. I'm not 100% sold on on what that is. And there's been a lot of talk about, you know, do we have to trade Kyle Kuzma or Rui before the deadline? I just don't see any world. Where they do that, Troy, at least not Kuzma, maybe Rui, potentially, but I also don't see that either because I don't think Ted wants to give up the, you know, the the Japanese fan money there. Uh, But for me, like, I I don't care what you say about PER or win shares or net rating or actually Kuzma's net rating is really good, but other other stats you want to throw out there, like this team doesn't seem to function as well to me without him. Uh, And that's when he's playing well, they're nine and two when he scores over 20 points. Like that's when they look at their best and the offense hums the most when he's involved and there's sort of a, you know, he doesn't have 41 points every night and Beal's not going to only have 22 every night, but but when the combo of those three gets you, you know, 60, 70, 80 points, like now all of a sudden, like th- this team's dangerous to play against. I think.
0: Yeah, and I think that you know this kind of goes back to what we were saying about how you know pretty soon we might have to remove the air quotes from the yeah. from that big three mantra because. You know, honestly, you know, Cal Kuzma's average of twenty points a game, like, mm-hmm. th- like he is a legitimate, you know, a uh, 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 tertiary star. And you know, we've he we've already seen him in the role as the third leading scorer on a championship team. So there's no question as to whether he can be the third best player on a championship team. He's already done that. And so I'm with you. I think that you know Kuzma is kind of playing himself out of uh, uh, a position, and what the Wizards should even be considering. Uh, trading him, uh, uh, headed into the February trade deadline. I think that he's a guy that, you know, that, that, that should be included in the, and the, in the building core for the future. And, and, you know, that, that leads us to, you know, other places on the roster to look for consolidation, uh, in, in terms of, of trying, trying to get better.
1: Over his last five games, Kuzma had 23 points, eight rebounds, nine assists, 28 points, seven rebounds, five assists, 33 points, seven rebounds, one steal, 28 points, 10 rebounds, five assists, 21 points, eight rebounds, five assists. Like, And the offense just looks better when he's out there kind of creating for other guys, getting into the paint. I think that's the only way this team survives without sort of a real penetrating rim pressuring point guard and without them making some kind of move at that position. I, I I don't know how else they sort of get that. Like Beal gives you some of it, but not enough. Goodwin gives you some of it, but not enough. Maybe DeLon Wright can give you some of it when he comes back, but not enough. Like Kuzma's so vital to what they do. And, and I think that's when they're at their best. And that's when they create those open looks for Porzingis and, and things like that.
0: Yeah, and I think that just kind of goes to uh, the, the diverse nature of uh, Kuzma's game. Yep. Uh, you know, the fact that, you know, I think that uh, last year, that you know, when when Bill was out and Porzingis, you know, was was sitting out uh, a lot of games and back to backs, and they were being very precautious with him. You know, Kuzma had a chance to have the ball in his hands a lot last year, but he had a chance to work through a lot of mistakes mm-hmm. yep. uh, and, and be able to learn how to be a, a playmaker. And so one of the things that I noted in uh, the article that I wrote today was the fact that last night he had zero turnovers. That was huge. And so I think that, you know, that's kind of been his Achilles heel uh, over the course of this season. You know, that I think that sometimes he... he his mind is probably moving a little bit faster than what his skill set is allowing him at this point. But if he is, if he allows us just, you know, play with pace and slow down, you know, at times and, and, and take care of the basketball, I think that he's a guy who has shown that you know he can create for himself and for others. And as you said, on a team with a a point guard who is the best way I can describe Monty Morris is risk averse you know like he he he's not uh really forcing a lot of those bad passes uh he's not forcing a lot of passes into guys uh and, and that 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 really kind of limits his opportunities to to go out and get a lot of assists but it also doesn't allow for him to turn the ball over pretty much ever and so you know they 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 need those uh ancillary uh playmakers around uh monty morris and around bradley bill uh who 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 is has has Definitely uh, shown a lot of improvement as far as his decision making and, and ball handling skills. Um, you know this season as compared to you know some of the some of those. Uh, uh, I, I know I know you've been missing our boy Scott Brooks, but you know I, I was very critical of of the way that Scott would let Brad just do whatever with the basketball, and, and, and it seems that Brad has kind of grown out of doing whatever with the basketball. He has he's acting with much more purpose this year. And, and I think that, you know, that, that is really allowing the offense to open up around him. And, you know, if the Wizards would ever start hitting some three-point shots, this this team actually has a lot of potential.
1: I've just been a little frustrated with sort of what the offense from Wes Sell Jr. is, especially with certain lineups. Like, the, there's no world in which you're going to make any sort of offensive comeback with Dotson, Goodwin, Barton, Gill, Gibson on the court for you. Uh, like, they... If they supposedly didn't think they were out of that Celtics game, that's not the group that's going to bring you back. You know what I mean? Like, it's just at a certain point, throw the ball to Will Barton. We've got to give up on that being a bench offense. Uh, and <laughs> I, I don't know how, how they fix that to me. If it's maybe I rock with Beal and Kuzma as your offensive initiators in the starting group with next to Denny and um, I don't know, Kispert and Porzingis or whatever. And then you do Monte and Goodwin together off the bench, like something where you don't have Monte out there um needing to create, but he also, it's hard to play him and Beal heavy minutes next to each other. Cause they don't really defend very well. So I, I, how, I, I don't know how you protect for that with the roster that you have.
0: Well, well, you, you protect for that by going out and getting a starting point guard and, and putting Monty Morris and his ideal role uh, you know, if you had to rank it, Monty Morris would probably be in the there's 30 NBA teams. So he would probably rank as between the 25th and 30th best starter
1: and, and probably on the, the back in end of the, the
0: NBA. That. <laughs> yeah. But uh as far as backup point guards go, he's probably in the top seven or eight backup point guards in the NBA. And so I think that, you know, it, it's. it's Putting putting him in a better role for at which he's suited, it w- would probably yield better results, uh and and probably get a lot of the uh wizards Twitter off his back.
1: <laughs> There's been a lot of talk about his inability to like pressure the rim and, and get into the paint and, and drive on people, but you notice when he plays against bench players, that looks a lot better a lot of the time. And I, I think that's more his comfort level and uh you know, that that's an opportunity for him to like look better in, in a different role. Like you said, I, I just don't know how they upgrade at point guard without giving either some of these guys up, giving a pickup. And this is sort of what you alluded to also is like, how, how do you improve this roster at all based on what they have? And, and I don't know what they give up at this point or what other teams even want that they have.
0: Well, I, like I guess say, I, I, uh, have been talking to a, a lot of, uh, people who work, in different front offices and, and I have friends throughout the league and you know they 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 always use me as a sounding board asking me you know what what do I think about the Wizards and what do I think about our our prospects and you know in return I ask them what 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 does the, what is the league saying about hmm. our prospects and so from my understanding I think that uh if you had to rank the uh the the Wizards young players as far as uh trade assets that it would go um Kispert, Denny, Rui. Agreed. And I, I'm not sure if the, if there might be a drop off after, you know, Denny between Denny and Rui. I, I don't think that where, you know, would, you the, put,
1: where the, would you put Gafford the on there,
0: Troy? I mean, do we have to put Gafford on there? Like
1: I, mean, I know. I'm I'm just I like I want to have the Gafford conversation here real quick. Like I, I'm curious how teams would, would view him, honestly. I know how our fans view him, but what's that like around <laughs> the league?
0: I think that I think that right now teams are are just as confused about Daniel Gafford as West Unsell Jr. is, and, and 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 the reason why Gafford is you know pretty much out of West Wes Unsell Jr.'s rotation right now, like for a guy who has a premium NBA skill set when it comes to uh, vertical jumping ability. This guy only use, he only knows how to use his superpower for one thing. Let's catch an alley-oops. Yep. Like I don't understand how he doesn't know how to use his verticality to defend the paint, how to to rebound the basketball. You can't have a 40-inch vertical and and, and and be a center and average 3 rebounds a game. Like that just doesn't compute.
1: So let me so we've seen him do that, right, in stretches. Like immediately when he joined the team, it looked a lot better. Uh, He looked better offensively playing next to Westbrook. He looked better defensively for a lot of that season. And I'm wondering if this is maybe something about the way they play defensively. There were a couple of times last night where he rotated over, got pulled away from the basket and nobody filled in behind him. And it led to like a Nas Reed dunk on one player, Kyle Anderson dunk on another. And, And it's like, is someone not helping him back on the back end? Is I don't think it's as simple as he's just chasing every block because that's, that's not, they're playing him similarly to how they play Porzingis. There's late switching, there's, um, you know, drop big stuff, but it just, it doesn't seem to work with him. So is there a different way they can utilize him? He can't just have totally forgotten how to play basketball. I wouldn't think. I don't,
0: I don't think that he forgot how to play basketball. I don't think he really ever learned how to play a uh, uh, team defense on, on, on this level of basketball in a way that it would allow him to, to contribute. Uh, Positively on the defensive end right now, and I think that that goes to the fact that when I watch him play, I see a guy who struggles being able to identify what the other, what the opposition is doing. And 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 the thing is, like he uh, that this 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 is the NBA, and timing matters. And so if he's two seconds late figuring out a a, a decision, and he's always two seconds behind, like that that is some of the most frustrating thing for a coaching staff. Sure. And so, and, and with Todd Gibson, you know, he doesn't have, you know, half of the athleticism or, or vertical jumping ability that Daniel Gaffer does. But he, he fig- he's able to identify, you know, pick and roll situations and being able to make the correct reads right. and, and, and on the court. And, and that means more to, to the coaching staff. And the reason why that they've been trusting him to come in and play uh, uh, more valuable minutes in some of these games and he's helped contribute to winning basketball.
1: When they traded for Gafford, there was that 25 game stretch or whatever it is, like huge surge where the defense got noticeably better and and they made a run. Was that just fools gold and and we all talked ourselves into him being able to do this? Like to me, he he made a real impact and maybe that was just the bar was so low cuz you're replacing I, I was, Thomas Bryant with t- him, but
0: You took the words right out of my mouth. The baseline was so low that he he came in and started doing some things And the numbers started skyrocketing upwards. And and it it made us uh, probably uh, overestimate, you know, his defensive impact. Although I remember that that first year that he was traded here. And and the the play that I remember vividly was uh, we we played the uh, New Orleans Pelicans. And it was a close game. And he went up and erased Zion's shot at the rim. Just come night. Like, didn't he he erased it? On the backboard, mm-hmm. like it showed a level of athleticism versus the, the you know the guy who you you know is you know the the, the supposedly the next LeBron, the, the one of the best leapers that the league has ever seen, and you know he 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 totally made him look like an AU kid, and so I think that there were signs there early on that uh you know that that, that Tommy Shepard obviously saw because you know they they went out and extended uh Daniel Gaffer. Uh, but but right now you know th- that contract has to be looking like more of an albatross than an asset at this point because you know that 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 uh, extension hasn't even kicked in yet and I'm not really sure what Daniel Gafford's value around the league is right now.
1: I I saw some people that I trust and like and respect on Twitter comparing Gafford to Mahinmi and I, I thought that. That sent like visible like shivers down my body, and I had like a PTSD fit. But to me, there's no comp. Like there's no comp there, right? Like Cafford's still young. He's still super athletic. He's still toolsy, and he's making less money than Mahini was making multiple years later. And now the salary cap's about to go up. So to me, I, if I'm another team, I can sell myself on He's still got the tools. We've seen some sample size of him improving a team at least in some way, shape, or form. If I think I can teach him. Sort of how to better understand the game. Like to me, I think that's somebody I could still talk myself into because he's he's young and athletic. And, and it's really hard to find enough guys that are young and athletic. If I'm the wizard, I, I try to do that. If I'm a defensive coach, I want to keep him in-house and I see how it looks. And maybe with only three years left in the extension, he's easier to trade or in the offseason or whatever that looks like. I, I don't think he's gonna get harder to trade a year from now, but at least he's Porzingis insurance. Eventually, history says Porzingis is going to miss some games. I'd rather have Gafford still on this roster than have to rely solely on Gibson and Vernon Carey. So I I wouldn't be in a hurry to trade Gafford unless you can feature him enough to really get something of value in return for him. But I wouldn't be trying to salary dump him at this point.
0: Yeah, so what? to me, I think that uh, when you look at the numbers for his extension, uh, I think it, it, it averages out to around like fourteen million dollars per year. Yeah, thirteen and, and change, right? It, yeah. So, like to me, that is uh, probably going to be the going rate for a solid backup center, yeah, right. you know, and over over the course of you know the the this next uh, NBA CBA. Mm-hmm. And so, you know that that's that's the going rate, and you know this guy's he he still has the potential to be able to, to have the productivity of, you know, the, 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 one of the better backup centers in the NBA. So, you know, I still have faith in him. But the thing is that I, there's a bit alarming and, and maybe give uh, a little bit cause for concern is the fact that, you know, that he has uh, a guy like Todd Gibson, you know, directly next to him on the bench, you know, coaching him up and, and trying to teach him the, the wings. You know, they have Marcin Gortat, who is – you know, I, I guess his uh, his ten day contract as a coach keeps getting extended, you know, because he stays around the team so much, and and you know he he works with the bigs a lot, but Gafford still isn't a good screener. So I'm like, he's got Taj's He's gotten worse
1: as a screener. So I'm just he's, saying, he's
0: gotten way worse as a screener. Like, yeah. so that, that's why I said that, like, there's a call, there's a little bit of cause for concern if totally the agree. fact that you know you have Taj next to you and you got Gortat teach you how to screen, and it just doesn't seem to be you know seeping through. Uh, on and and coming through on the court in a tangible way.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely would be concerned. I haven't liked the way he played. I do think he somehow always looks a little better, at least offensively, in minutes next to Jordan Goodwin because Goodwin actually gets into the paint a little bit for him. But uh, they, they need more minutes for him next to guys that can actually create some stuff for him. And I think a lot of times for young guys, if they're contributing offensively, somehow the defensive intensity picks up a little bit. So when nobody did anything for him, uh, maybe he was a little sulky or slow or whatever the case may be. I think there's a human element to that too. So all I'm saying is, it hasn't been great, but I think Gafford is far from like a total waste and a loss, and we immediately have to get off this deal. And and that's some of the, the chatter I've seen about Gafford recently.
0: Yeah, I, I'm 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 with you. I'm not to the point where you know that that. They have to be getting off of this deal, um, you know. I do think that um, you know his, his contract. For, uh, if 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 he were to be one of the pieces that you know that that if Tommy Shepard is making calls and and, and you know and their teams are asking what players are available, you know I wouldn't have a question about making him available. Okay. And I think that yeah. the fact that you know um, his salary this year is like under two million dollars, so you know that, that like. I think that you know that that it it could be a a good potential trade chip for this season before that extension kicks in. Um, you know, I, I just I just I just want to see more from 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 Daniel Gaffer. And the thing is, like, from from everything that you hear from people surrounding the team, you no, know, he's a really good guy, and they he like wants him. to see yeah. the best version of himself too. So yeah. it's not like you know, this is a guy who is on some, you know, Zach Wilson walking around with his, you know, his nose up in the air, like, right. knowing, not not being self-aware that, you know, he has work to do. he He's working hard every day. It just isn't translating how the front office and how Wizards fans want at this point.
1: They should have some member of the staff that is assigned to him 24 hours a day, and all they do is watch film with him. And maybe that's Gibson is the other guy that just sits with them at all times. But Uh, yeah, I'm just not, I'm totally with you. He should not be untouchable by any stretch. If someone wants him and it helps a deal, you do it. But I also just wouldn't be in a hurry to get rid of him, especially without sort of the lack of a viable replacement to me. I think Gibson's fine in some spot minutes here and there, but you definitely don't want him being your full-time backup big, if you can help it. Uh, speaking of their starting big, it's been a little interesting to see Porzingis against different matchups this year. There's been a lot of talk about how Adebayo killed him. Another mobile stretch big like uh, Horford had his way with him. But then you see last night and him against the drop coverage big is like when like full KP is unleashed and and you show all the versatility of his skill set. You talked a lot about this in your article. Porzingis himself talked about how like, oh, yeah, like when when I saw him backing up, like my eyes lit up, like it it was it was over at that point. And he's always had good games against people like Gobert. Uh, So is there a different way to utilize him or a different way to match this up against teams that have an Autobio, or is that just always going to be tough for him to play against those kinds of quicker, stretchier guys?
0: Yeah, it's, it's always going to be tough for him to uh, be matched up against those type of guys. Uh, you know, and, and when you look at, you know, I mean, bam and and bam Autobio and Al Horford, are probably two of the best uh pick and roll defending big men in the NBA. Mm-hmm. So the when, when you talk about uh bigs who are able to to hedge onto the guard, get back in position, like uh have enough footwork, like these those are two of the best in the league when it comes to that. So th- th- those are gonna be uh problems where he has uh um he where he's not gonna be able to to, to have that uh decisive advantage mm-hmm. from the start. But you know, if, if if you if the Washington Wizards are playing teams and they want to run drop coverage, right, you cancel Christmas because and and Kristaps Porzingis comes out, he hits one of those two first threes, Uh-oh. he gets into a rhythm, he yep. starts filling himself, like it's gonna be a problem for uh, opposing defenses because I mean this is a guy who is a rhythm shooter and it, he does not lack confidence at all. You know, he I, I think he's taking a, a six three point uh uh field goal attempts per game so far this year. And and th- I mean, like yesterday, like after he they, they dropped coverage on him. He hit that first three. They came back, they dropped again hit his like he no hesitation. The shot mm-hmm. is going up. It looks good. And, and and when he's feeling it, like this this is a guy who I who I trust uh to to come out and, and, and take a high volume uh, amount of three-point shots. And and I think that the biggest thing is that not only once, once teams realize, OK, we got to start doing something different with that, he actually has the skill set and the footwork and the moves uh, down low and, and in the mid-post uh, game to be able to take advantage of uh, teams switching smaller defenders onto him. Like, you know, I, I was getting ready to feel – I was starting to uh, feel bad for uh, – a uh, uh, slow mo yep. who who seemed to always ended up on him, the wrong end, end of this that. Is, <laughs> yeah, he ended up on the on on the wrong end of a lot of Kristaps uh, Porzingis' uh, 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 mid range uh, uh, jumpers or or and ones because he, he got fouled a lot uh, and, and went to the free throw line. But this is a guy. Whereas a, a, a com- when you compare him directly to a guy like Gobert, who you know will will, will get a guy like Marcus Smart on him and and, and not be able to hit a, a jump hook.
1: Yeah, I mean, he, he's got so much offensive vers- versatility. I do wonder a little bit about if teams start to figure out how to play that. You saw last night that the uh, Wolves put Gobert on Denny for the long stretches and then let Anderson try to contain him on the perimeter. Now, Anderson was still a little too small to do anything with Porzingis, but I, I think other teams might be able to match up with that a little bit better. So I, I do wonder about like if Porzingis can continue this kind of stretch because he, he is seemingly matchup dependent, if it would make more sense to try to get a backup big that has a like a a less similar uh, defensive skill set, maybe let's say like a, somebody that's more switchable on the perimeter or more mobile um, as your backup. Like if Gafford has to be a drop coverage big too, does it really make sense? Or is there someone else you could go get that, that plays a different style than how Porzingis plays?
0: Well, see, that's the thing. I, I agree with everything you said, and I think that he is matchup dependent. But when you look at it, there's only probably five teams where that that matchup isn't yeah, an advantage. That's fair. That's true. So, like, I mean, I mean, so, so on a majority of nights throughout the season, like he's going to have the matchup advantage. Yeah. And so, I think that this that is something sense. that the the, the Wizards are, are are learning that you know that I I think that that the team is playing much better when they play through Porzingis. I think that Bradley Beal is the best version of himself, you know, at least uh, since we've since he's played. Totally With John agree. Wall going yeah. back to that, you know, 2017 season, like as the best version of himself, why he's almost shooting 50, 40, 90 uh, for, for for this season because yep. he's able to play off of, you know, that like Christos Porzingis when he has those mismatches on the floor, he is a a a a a, a gravity magnet on mm-hmm. the court because he just attracts so much attention from the defense that that in itself. opens opens up the Wizards offense.
1: Yeah, you don't see Beal having to take these 28-foot threes anymore and and all these things that he spent time working on, which I I don't blame him for trying to add to his game, but much rather him with his toes on the line with, like, some amount of space and and room to breathe. And and they asked him about it. I think Megan McPeak asked him the other night about, like, what he's doing differently shooting the ball this year, and he said nothing. It's just, I'm getting better looks. I'm getting more shots I want. And and you're right, Porzingis creates that. Kuzma creates that for him. Like, he has more help to get those looks.
0: Yep. The the gravity that is created by the, the, those other two members of the big three uh, is allowing Brad to, you know, there's a big sigh of relief for him has to be like, to be able to to take catch and shoot threes again, you know, like like that, that was, you know, uh, I would say over the first half of Bill's career, catch and shoot three was probably, probably his uh, most dangerous weapon. And so, that, that pretty much has been taken away from him uh, as far as his uh, 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 his skill set over the last couple of seasons. But we can slowly but surely uh, see that being added back into uh, his game because of the gravity of the, the other players around him. And, you know, and I, I don't think that there is any coincidence in the fact that you see his three-point shooting numbers continue to rise as he gets more catch-and-shoot opportunities.
1: I've not been shy about blasting Beal when I think he just says things post game that people I mean, want to hear. Trust
0: me, I'm, 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 look, I'm right there with I, you.
1: But I, know you I mean,
0: Beal's been saying and doing all of the right things, yeah. and he's been playing the right way. So a, a, as far as this season, you know, I still don't think he's worth you know a quarter billion dollars. Sure, but you know, like that, like it's, it's Tan's money, not mine, and and the, and the check is already cleared. Right. So it, you it doesn't know, matter. Like, yeah, and, we're
1: and, past the point of worrying about it
0: exactly we were way past the point of worrying about it and so i think that the the biggest thing is to just see him be the best version of himself and i think that you know that like the the way that brad's playing right now uh you know he he's able to a uh help this wizards team win basketball games and b i mean if it always goes left it's be a lot easier to trade a guy who's shooting 50 40 90 like it's
1: (laughs) bingo i i think i've i've got a a bet going with one of the Bulls forever guys now ioma bud light if he's if he's traded as a negative asset i think at any point when someone trades for beal it, it'll at least be a neutral if not positive asset because if he looks like this player some team can talk themselves into this is a guy a that we few, can use
0: a few teams will talk themselves into having exactly. this guy because at the end of the day like brad has improved uh, you know, his, his skill set so much and the way that he's, I mean, he can slice through a defense and he can pretty much do what he wants, mm-hmm. you know, like as far as being able to, you know, control the tempo, get to his spots, get to the rim, finish through contact. Like this is a guy who, who has, who has uh, shown uh, great strides and improvement in his ability to uh, attack the basket. You know, and you add that with his already, you know, smooth jumper, and you know, I, I could see easily how there are teams who think that they are one piece away from winning a championship. You know, like th- this is a guy. Uh, it, it, I, I wouldn't pay him a quarter billion dollars to be my be my best player, but if he's your second player, or you know, God forbid, your third best player, like I think that you know, he he'd be in a a, a, a much a uh, better position as far as uh, w- where his contract is.
1: You talked about Porzingis, you know, gravity making life easier for Beale, but I also think Beal makes life easier for Porzingis. And, and he said the other night, like, we have to keep feeding KP. He's a, an obvious mismatch at all times. and I, I buy that he means that. The way he plays seems to back that up. And I thought last night, especially when you saw the Wolves, like, make that little run, that's when Beale came in and was like, okay, it's assertive Beal time. Like, this is takeover Beal. That's the Beal I want to see. I don't need to see Beal ice out on the wing with like 20 seconds left in the game. Beal, I, this is like, I need to kill a run. My team needs a basket. I can create a basket at any point. Like if the rest of the time he's a decoy, whatever, like that to me last night was the best version of Beal. Now, if he scores 22 points or 28 points, I, I don't care, but like he picked his spots really well last night I thought, and yeah, it wasn't that- forced.
0: I thought I thought so as well. You know, you know, uh, the Timberwolves started the second half on an 8-0 run. Yep. Um, and, you know, I think that they, you know, they 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 the the Wizards, they kept going. They they, they the Wizards started out. They jumped out big and the league got up to a uh, um, 20 plus. I think about 24, points. 27, uh, 27. It was the highest. Yeah. Yeah, man, I got to stop taking bathroom breaks at Capital One Arena. <laughs> But uh, I, all I know is I came back and I was like, it's a nine point game. What, yeah, what, right. like, what, what did yeah. we do? Yeah. Yeah, But I thought that Brad, Brad noticed it, too. And, you know, I thought that he made it a point to come in and be assertive, especially, yep. you know, because KP had already done enough. He brought us mm-hmm. there and, and, and it was Brad's job to take us home. And I thought that last night he delivered on uh, uh, that aspect of his job description.
1: This would not be the Believe in Wizards podcast if we were primarily positive the whole time without me bringing up one or two things that worry me or concern me. But uh, just flipping back to the Celtics game a little bit, you heard Porzingis say, we're not good enough to not be on at all times. We have to be. We're not at the level where, okay, we can turn it up now and we can go. We're not there yet, so we have to be on for all 48. Wes talked about them needing to play with an air of desperation. Uh, Kuzma said, you know, the difference this year's team is we're all going to fight. We're going to fight last year. We gave in and quit, and that's not going to be us this year. I think that that proved to be true last night's game where when they gave up some of that lead, they didn't panic. They just, you know, Brad locked in or whatever, but it, it does worry me that we've heard three times already this year. We can't take people lightly. Like this team has not won shit in a decade. Like, why, why is this something that has to... Like, haven't they learned that lesson already at this point? Like, Porzingis is saying we still have to learn that lesson. It really worries me. Like, we, we should learn, have learned that by now 20 games in, I would think.
0: Yeah, I, I think so. I think that, you know, I, I, I really didn't put a lot of uh, stock or, or worry into last week's performance in Miami like that that was a tricky proposition just to begin a like, matchup yeah I'm with you no like they they spent like five days in Miami over Thanksgiving right. break like that yeah. was a tough proposition <laughs> uh-huh, like for fair. any for any team like yep. to going into it like I, a couple I guys looked surprised. a little sunburned you know Like I, I was not surprised they lost those games like yep. and, and not to say like because you know from from my intel within the team is that you know this this team actually isn't you know uh, uh they don't have a group of partiers like mm-hmm. you know for the most part uh like there's a lot of uh family men on the team so you know a lot of them brought their wives down and stuff but you know like you, you, look everybody knows like you know, said so you go out with your girlfriend in miami or south beach you know you could you you're having a nice meals you get those big drinks like you know even, even you know it every, would not be the first team to together, fall victim and,
1: to that yeah
0: exactly exactly and so you know i think that. um them being able to identify uh, when they need to put forth more effort is something that I I think is uh, admirable and and notable for them to say out loud. And I think that, you know, the makeup of this team is, is proving to be a little bit different from teams of years past where, you know, where they might say the right things in the media and you know, I, I, I might be sitting there next to uh my, my good buddy Neil uh Neil uh and, and and we'll be looking at him like there's no way we believe them. But yeah, th- for some right. reason, I believe them this year. I believe that you know that they are, are taking the onus upon themselves uh and, and, uh and are being more accountable. And so, like, you know, when when Wes Unselled Jr. When when he talked about you know uh having a sense of urgency coming into this game. You know, I, I believed them. And I think that the team, they showed out, they 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 showed that they played with a level, they not only started with a high level of intensity, but they were able to sustain that throughout the course of the game.
1: It's still a dysfunctional Wolves team as much as I enjoyed last night's win. So I'm really looking forward to see how they respond on next night against a, a Nets team that will be, I don't know whether this helps them or hurt them at this point, but will be without Ben Simmons, it seems like. Uh, cause he got hurt last night, um, in his day to day. So still got to guard Kyrie. They still got to guard KD. Those are unique matchups. And, uh, I think this is, that's going to be a real test for them. Like anybody can do it against a team that's struggling, but the Nets are won six of their last 10. They're looking a little better. They're basically in the same position as the wizards in terms of playoff seating at this point. So like, this is a big game.
0: Yeah. And, and when you talk about pride and one, two. The Nets came down to D.C. and beat the dog yeah. crap out of the Wizards yeah. by forty-two points. Exactly, and and like, but what was uh, the 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 second worst home loss in the it history of the franchise? <laughs> yeah. Like you know, like the, the 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 bar keeps getting lower and lower and lower. You know, as far as you know, uh, low lights that, that 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 the the Wizards are able to accomplish. But that I mean that 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 had to be one of the I was at the 35-point blown lead against the Clippers. Mm-hmm. Like, that 42-point loss against the Nets felt j- just as, if not more, embarrassing. And so I think that, you know, the, these guys have pride, and and, to- and, and, and it, that that should be something that is on the forefront of the players' minds, the fact that, you know, they got the, the they, they got their lunch handed to them. They got their lunch taken away from them. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but with the last time they, they they played the Nets, and so you know I, I'm very curious as to see you know it, it will this team come out with they like it, at the very least you got to come out with a with a, with a high level of intensity. Yeah, if, if you lose
1: a close good game or whatever, like that's not the end of the world. But if they get punked tonight, I think that's a real bad time.
0: Yeah, I mean seriously, like that. I mean, like I said, that that forty-two point home loss. Was one of the most embarrassing things I, I've ever seen, like uh, covering or watching uh, Wizards or Bullets basketball.
1: That's the only game this season I have not finished start start to finish because I I couldn't watch it in real time. So there's
0: I, there's there, I, I, man I'm I'm sure that that's one of those situations where I'm not even sure if West unsub Jr. probably even went over the tape. There's nothing to, to learn.
1: Delete the footage.
0: from yeah. from watching that. Like it, like burn it. Act like it never happened, or but no, but just remember to put in the back of your mind right now that they should, you know, maybe, maybe he needs to put the tape on for them tomorrow, but uh but, but before the before the game starts, so that to give them a little bit of extra added motivation.
1: The, the bulletin board in the locker room should be drawn up with the score of that game in just big bold letters, and and that should be the reminder to them. I, I I'm with you. Uh, that's a great point about like a revenge game here a little bit for them, and and I think. Porzingis has a little edge to him. Like some of these guys have some edge, and I hopefully that that's what shows through tomorrow night. Um, Troy, I've taken up enough of your time here today. You made some time for me in the middle of the day, which I greatly appreciate. What's the next thing coming on the substack that people can look forward to?
0: Yeah. So, like I said, I'm, I'm going to be looking at evaluating uh, uh, Jordan Goodwin and, and, and looking at him. Uh, you know, I, I love how when 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 Ernie Grunfeld was still the team president. Uh, he would send out these, you know, memos. Sometimes in uh, his press releases, he would say, "We view this player, player X, as our first round draft pick." Mm-hmm. And you know, I think honestly, uh, with a straight face, that 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 Tommy Shepard should be patting himself on the back. And and, and, and you know, it, it, it may be getting to the point where he needs to put out a press release and say, "We view Jordan Goodwin as our, our first round draft pick," or you know, a, a, or at the very least, as as a guy. Who we uh, consider to be a, a a a building block of something that that that, that they're trying to uh, build here in the future. I think that like Jordan Goodwin, like I mean, he has been a lifesaver yeah. for the Wizards uh, franchise right now. And so I'm gonna be like just evaluating him and, and you know his, his journey throughout the league uh, and you know his ability to to maintain. Uh, an nba career off of this 14 game stretch that he's had so far.
1: I'm I'm patenting this right now. So I'm putting it on the record for everybody, but if you want to use this for the article, you can. There was Lynn sanity, now there's Goodwin sanity. Um that's like that's what we're going to call this like really hot ter- you know tear that Cor- uh, Jordan Goodwin's been on. And and I I'd be honest with you, I don't think it's flukish. Like I think everything he's done is sustainable. And and that's the player that they should expect from him, you know, moving forward.
0: Yeah, not v- everything that he's doing is very much sustainable. This is a guy who uh he, he he's as a point guard, he's not a guy who's gonna, you know, come out there and, and table set and you know set guys up, but he can bring the ball. He his, his ball handling skills are proficient enough that he can bring the ball up the court with a dynamic you know, enough having that you can't the Thomas Adoransky having yeah. to back guys down before he gets to half court. <laughs> right. Like he can he can he can bring it up. Yeah. He can he can he can run the offense. He uh he, he he's a legitimate uh you know, six three, six four, with a six ten wingspan, and exactly. you know his his two way uh, capabilities. Not talking about his two way contract. I'm talking about being play uh, making impact on the offensive side and the defensive side. You know, this is a guy who I think that you know w- when you start looking at the team when they start getting guys back. For oh man, I saw uh, Delon Wright working out yesterday. Uh he was moving like uh me and that's not a good thing. Like he's yeah. not he's we, not we got a while ready. to go
1: here. <laughs> yeah.
0: Exactly. We, we got a little bit of ways to go. I probably I, you know I I probably wouldn't you know expect to see him before Christmas this year. Like yeah. he he was not moving that well on the court. Um, uh, you know, he he didn't he wasn't even doing a lot of basketball stuff. He was just out there, you know, moving with the with the ropes and and you know, just uh, trying to yeah. do
1: some. That's not, not what you want to hear. Yeah,
0: yeah. But the thing is, though, that that you know Goodwin's, you know, uh, I think has been a great understudy, yep. and you know, this is a guy who I think that you know, when the Wizards start to get back uh, some some of their players, that this is a guy who you know may be a you know mainstay in their rotation. You know, to um, sayonara to uh, the Will Barton minutes. I, I'm just I'm it. counting down the days that that we won't have to be subjected to watching Will Barton play basketball anymore because. You know, I, I I don't think I don't I don't I don't I don't think he has it
1: anymore. So, yeah, I think the ship has sailed there. Unfortunately, I hate saying that about one of my Baltimore guys. But uh, just last thing on Goodwin, one of the things he talked about a lot the last time he was on this podcast was that he thought he could be a Jose Alvarado type and he could pressure guys the full length of the court. And And we haven't seen much of that. But whether it's him or Dotson or somebody, I'd love one of these guys to come in, one of the hungry two way guys, you know, not the like whatever whatever role you want to put them in and just let them be a change of pace guy, pressure people the length of the court, make life a little tougher for guys in their minutes, especially if they're only going to play a few of them. So maybe when you have guys like right back and you have some more guard options, that'll, that'll allow them to kind of play him a little differently too.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I think that that, that is something that I think that uh, we would like to see uh, in the next step of his evolution as a player. But, you know, you got to also consider the fact that you know the, the the Wizards aren't really going out and and, and being proactive as far as the defensive ends concerned and being aggressive. You know they, they they seem to be to be in retreat mode a lot mm-hmm. of times. So you know I think that he's he's doing everything that you know you you, you would expect uh, from a, a a a a draft pick to do. Uh, you know, but he wasn't drafted, and so you know th- this is you know I think that th- th- this is a, a a notch that Tommy can put on his belt. And you know, I uh, uh, could definitely get uh, Wizards fans off his back for a little bit and 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 definitely uh, uh, earn some favor uh, with with, with uh, the team owner uh, Ted Leosis and, and showing that, that he can go out and and find young, cheap talent.
1: This is why it really pisses me off when people dismiss anything anyone does in the G League. It's not like Goodwin was dominating the league last year, he was good, but like. There are a lot of other guys in that league that can play and and he's come in and had a meaningful impact. And I think that that shows that G League success is usually translatable when a team puts a guy in a role to be successful. It's another shameless plug for our Believe in Wizards night on December the 9th at the Capital City Go-Go game. For anybody that hasn't bought a ticket yet, come on out. Troy, if you want to go, I got a ticket for you. Um, Man, for- count me in. I'm there. Boom. All right. All right. Play we'll plug We'll, we'll we'll show everybody that the the capital city go go is a meaningful part of this organization's team building strategy, and and it is a way for them to find other guys and these diamonds in the rough types.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm hey, you know what? Look, hey, count me in. I will be there, and yeah. I, I'm I'm actually looking forward to uh, 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 uh monumental basketball for that weekend because the next night, uh the all night. Is, is, is Hey, look, come on, you you already you beat me to it. So so big night, know, night. I, I think. it's a, it will be a big weekend for, for Miami middle basketball.
1: Let's hope, let's hope a couple of wins would be good. Everybody showing out looking good. Maybe Johnny Davis will put on a good performance for people and they can see it with their own eyes. That would make everybody feel a little better. I think, uh, Troy, thank you again, man. This is awesome. I appreciate it. I will, um, like I said, put the episode description or the episode link in the description of this episode. So everybody check that out. And, uh, we look forward to more articles to come.
0: Hey Matt, I greatly appreciate you having me on. Yeah, you know, continue uh success to you and, and you know continue to do your thing. I, I'm an avid listener. So, appreciate you know, that. I I I love the fact that you know you are one of the uh people who I consider to have nuance when it comes to you know discussing things on on Wizards Trinity you know it's okay to be critical uh, of the team at certain points and and it's also you know good to 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 cheer on the success of the team so you know I I think that we, we all have to you know operate with a little bit of nuance here and so I greatly appreciate you for 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 knowing how to teeter that line
1: right back at you man yeah I think that's You need it with this team more than any team uh, I think that I've ever followed because there's there's definitely going to be plenty of uh, ups and downs here. All right, everybody, this was Believe in Wizards. Make sure to rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. We are presented by betonline.ag, and we will catch you next time.